Hi, this is Carmen White, and welcome back to Sit and Sit with SLPs. Hi, everyone. Today we are meeting with Ed and Monte. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> they are both educators here in Santa Maria and in Guadalupe. Today we are going to discuss students' behaviors and attitudes while sipping a red wine that is semi-sweet and semi-sparkling. The flavors of the wine are black cherry and blueberries and pairs well with manchego cheese, which I just found out is from Mexico. <laughs> Introduce yourself, guys. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yourselves. Um, my name is Monse Garcia, and I grew up in Orange County. I went to school um, five years. I earned my bachelor's in psychology and Chicano Chicano studies from UC Davis. Then I did my master. I earned my master's and credential from Cal Poly. I worked um, in Gonzalez for two years, and currently this is my second year working for Guadalupe, and this is my fourth year as a teacher in special education. My name is Ed. I grew up in Riverside, California, Southern California. I also went to UC Davis for my undergrad. I got my bachelor's in Spanish and in political science. After that, I also went to Cal Poly for my master's in credential in special ed. Uh, right now, I am working at Santa Maria as a special ed teacher in resource. So wait, did you guys meet? School? We did. Oh. So we met at Davis, and things were different at the time. <laughs> I just leave it like that. And then uh, by the time we got together, it was after she finished Cal Poly, and then I started Cal Poly. Okay. So the time was a little iffy, but yeah. we need a whole new episode just yeah. for that. Yes, because this is also a mini love story, guys. They are engaged. Yay! They are. We are engaged. So I get to sit with this lovely couple and talk to them about some of our students who drive us absolutely insane. I know some of mine do. I'm on the speeches. I'm doing more intervention. Ed is intervention as well because he's a special educator. So he also has to, you have to also do RTI as well. A little bit of everything. Yeah. I am a special ed, or SDC teacher okay. for TK through fourth grade. So I'm at the front line. And <laughs> for some of you who do not know, um, RTI is response to intervention and SDC is special day classes. So, you know, just some background, you know, when we're talking about students' behaviors, we need to keep in mind that it can affect their ability to learn as well as other students' learning environment. Students who be behave disruptively by bullying other students, talking during lectures, or by requiring the teacher to interrupt lessons to discipline them can have a negative effect on an entire classroom. And just like the classroom setting, it, it can affect the speech setting as well. Um, and on education.gov, they had up a, a little article of what are the causes of misbehavior in the classroom. And they mentioned things like seeking attention, wanting to be the center of the room, which I encounter often, 
um, the desire for power, that power struggle, wanting to be in charge, looking for revenge on like the teacher or or other students, that lack of self-confidence, classroom environment, problems with curriculum and physiological factors. And do you guys see some of this in, in your setting, these power struggles or some of these different misbehaviors, different scenarios? A little bit of all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. That, that's my life. So, in your setting, what are some, like, you, being that you do see these behaviors in your classroom setting, you know, what is a typical misbehavior that you would encounter? Um, a typical behavior is, I would say, aggression, um, eloping, hitting, so, yeah, I see that every day. <laughs> and you as well, I know, because I have some as students, so I know that he can have some behaviors. <laughs> uh, I mean, most of my behaviors, when you get to that age in middle school, they're more aware of their so-called power, mm -hmm. and they want to impose that. So a lot of uh, the misbehaviors pretty much become almost oppositional defiance. Like mm -hmm. They want to do the opposite of what you tell them, mm -hmm. which is interesting because if you tell them not to do their work, eventually they'll come around and do their work. So it's just always trying to contradict. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is because of all those factors that you mentioned. They might not know what they're supposed to be doing. They might not be able to read or read out loud comfortably. Mm -hmm. So they choose to do things to get them out of that situation. And a lot of the times they always choose some type of uh, misbehavior. I noticed um, in the speech setting, um, usually my misbehaviors come from, especially in a junior high school setting, the fact that I don't want to be singled out. I don't want that stigma of being the, the student that goes to speech. Hmm. And then I tell them, if you come on your own, I don't have to call for you or come get you. Hmm. Then you, it looks like you're going to the office. It looks like you know your teachers are aware of where you're going. Just, and they hate that stigma of being singled out as having a speech disorder. And I know in middle school, it's that weird age, right? I know I went through a weird stage. I <laughs> was fugly in middle school, okay? I was weird. I acted weird. It was, <laughs> it was just a horrible time. I'm happy I breezed through it. Um, only two years, bing, bang, boom, it's done. And now we're in high school. So I know middle school is that odd odd time in your life it, it's funny you mention that because the whole stigma of special education we're in a new age of that it's not the same as it was when mm -hmm. you and i went to middle school or even mm -hmm. high school you have students who have been in resource for five six years their entire elementary school mm -hmm. so to them resources is normal like mm -hmm. other kids see them being pulled out to resource and then they're in resource in middle school there is no no longer that like oh man resources special ed and that in itself is it's it's kind of becoming a problem because mm -hmm. resources becoming so impacted and it's causing all these other problems to come out of it because you have full caseloads of yes. students you have five six seven different really really high level behaviors in one room mm -hmm. and even in the elementary school I know she sees that a lot in her SDC class, four grade levels or five grade levels, six. right? Six, six grade, grade levels. levels. Pre-kinder. 
through fourth grade. Um, I guess in a, in a sense, I'm really, and the students are too, very blessed that they don't really, really understand that they're in special ed. I, in my level, so we don't see that like, oh, what do other th kids think about me? Not mm -hmm. yet, but I'm, I talked to the middle school teachers at my district and by then the kids start to realize, oh, I'm in, I'm in special ed, I'm, I'm different versus in my class, they don't really see that. So that's good. And that label doesn't exist in resource. Like okay. they still think resource is it's just another additional support. Okay. They don't realize that resource is special education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had those chats with them and I tell them like, hey, resource is special ed. Mm -hmm. As much as you don't want to believe it, you don't want to accept it. But the fact is you're not in a self-contained special day class, but this group right here is special ed. And when you tell them that, a lot of them are just like, what? Yeah. Like I'm in special ed. And so you... It, that's where that it's becoming more of a problem than a resource for the students. I yes. think. And I and that's why I try to set expectations. Mm -hmm. I let them know this is where you are. This is why you're here. These are the goals we want we want to work on. Because if you do your best and you work really hard, you can be dismissed from speech. But if you're defiant or you don't show up or you don't do your best, you have to continue. And who wants to go to high school and miss high school classes? You need those core, those core classes that you're getting ready for college now. Right. So I try to set those expectations. Oh, whether they work, uh, <laughs> debatable. <laughs> you know, it's debatable, but um, some do listen. I do have one young man who, at the beginning, he was absolutely insane. Um, hard to control, hard to deal with, and now he's coming in, he's rocking out. He even made sure I knew, guess what, Miss White? I'm at a 3.0 now. I'm like, look at you. Like, you're doing so great. So sometimes setting those expectations are great. So um, whether they work, yeah. <laughs> How do you control for situations like this? Like when you are um, dealing with a, a student who is disrupting your classroom or making it difficult for everyone to learn or for themselves. How do you control for situations like this? I'm in my uh, class. I implement a lot of um, token economies and just behavior. So every time the kid works, they get a happy face. If they're not working, um, they get a sad face. So it's um, rewarding, positive behavior, hardworking behavior, or when they work, they earn, like knowing that they're working towards something. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, they're able to cash out, meaning that they can um, submit this clipboard to me. And then we tally up all their smiley faces. And then if they earn 80%, they're able to play for anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes at the end of the day. So for the kids that are disruptive, um, they have consequences at the end of the day. <laughs> And um, I have two full-time aides that help me, so we're all on the same page about behavior, so setting those expectations. But also, um, the students that do need breaks throughout the day, allowing them to take a lap, drink water, eat a fruit, like whatever they need to help their bodies calm down at the moment. They're able to take those breaks, but also um, or just to help them refocus. So I think I, overall, I think I do 
pretty good job with the students to allow them to take care of their bodies so that they're mm -hmm. able to learn because I understand that some of my students just need to get up and take a walk or just breathe a little bit before they're able to continue to do their work. So I've learned throughout the years that allowing the kids to take breaks and give their brain a little break is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but also having a really uh, staff that's trained that knows how to um, not control, but what to do if behaviors do escalate. So my entire staff is trained with um, like a hold. So they know how to, like if the student becomes very, very aggressive to themselves or to the staff, we know how, to, and the district has sent us to trainings to how to hold the student. Um, but those are like severe situations. Mm -hmm. They don't happen every day, but they have happened. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a little bit of like training or training the staff, but also training the students to know how to control their behavior and knowing to knowing how to ask if they need a break. Yeah. Um, when I worked in the, on the elementary level, that was um, the token system economy worked wonders. I never had to do a hold. I did have one student who was in preschool who destroyed the entire room. I never seen a little person be so crazy, but I did have trained staff, like you said, staff training and proactive mm -hmm. measures. Mm -hmm. The proactive measures that you and your staff are implementing sound wonderful. How about Isn't you? That like once a week for you? <laughs> um, the funny thing that we're having this, I actually um, did have to put someone on a hold yesterday with the support of my aide. Um, but yeah, I mean, those the clipboard like just working you get a happy face not working um you don't get a happy face it's kind of like us when we work we get our paychecks and you don't work <laughs> then maybe you see a pink slip in your box um <laughs> so i i mean that's what they need and that's what i give them and it took a long time for me to just realize you know what like they do need um they need um an award i guess award yeah, system. Award yeah. System. yeah. How about you on a junior high school level? How do you control for these behaviors? Honesty. <laughs> <laughs> and we no, and we're all for honesty here. There's no we have a no judgment zone. This is here for us to No, I mean there there are benefits and downsides to, you know, being in middle school. Benefits is that they are aware and they're choosing, like they're psychologically and mentally most of them mm -hmm. are able to choose between misbehaving or behaving correctly like they know when they're misbehaving and they know when they're behaving correctly mm -hmm. so that adds a different dimension to to the classroom because it's no longer a question of are you misbehaving because of your your disability kind of like what happens at the elementary level mm -hmm. it's more of like are you misbehaving and you got to find out like one of those reasons that you said like is it for attention is it because you want to avoid doing your work is it because you don't understand so i guess in my sense a lot of it is there's there's different levels so it starts with redirecting and if redirection doesn't work then you know i find myself raising my voice not to extreme levels but for them to realize that it's the the matter is not a joke mm -hmm. because a lot of them start thinking like oh 
it's a joke. Mm -hmm. And then when that doesn't work, then you start applying some type of consequence. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that, at least in the middle school, they love uh, their break and their lunch. So, you know, holding <laughs> in for break and lunch. Uh, I've never had an issue with six period. Why? Because it's right at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. guess what? You guys take, and I always tell them, like, you waste my time, I'm going to waste yours. You spent 15 minutes talking to your friend and didn't do your work while I was trying to help other students, then you're going to be here those 15 minutes and you're going to have my undivided attention. And they love me so much that they all do their work, so I don't have to, you know? So that way you can go home and do what you have to do. Mm -hmm. So it's just, and then there's always, you know, the oppositional defiance and mm -hmm. those, no matter what you do, they're always going to try to be right or they're always going to defy whatever you say so it's just finding different ways to get them even if they don't do anything at least not to do anything disruptive because mm -hmm. that goes back to the whole whose education are they really taking away from yeah because there's no longer like i'm throwing away my education it's like i'm throwing away my education and i'm taking somebody else's with me and that's when it becomes a problem mm -hmm. see and the speech environment um, I know it sounds, I guess it sounds cruel, but I'm a little more fortunate because I can say, okay, it's time for you to go back to class because you're disrupting everyone else. And so, like, I feel bad. And in middle school, I mean, one, what I am lucky now that I have been able to move around the groups and see you guys don't have that luxury. Right. I have that luxury, like, okay, so-and-so. They don't work well together. Mm -hmm. Or so-and-so, when they're together, they're all giggles and smiles. So I need to separate them so I can move things around. And sometimes it works to my advantage. Some students feed off of each other and they do well right. if they're paired together. So I do, I am able to control my environment a little more because I can play chess. That struggle <laughs> is real, especially when you have... 80 exactly. plus resource students and mm -hmm. three resource teachers. Everybody's pretty much maxed out. Mm -hmm. And a set schedule. Right. You can't move them around. So that, I, I sympathize. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, because I have my students from the minute the bell rings, 8.22 till the minute that the bell like, uh, rings to dismiss. So there's no me sending them somewhere mm -hmm. else because they're not working well with each other. We just have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I do have some students who like to mope mm -hmm. or be like, I'm mad, you know, and you're 12 and 13. It's time for us to not do that. So those students, when they come in, they have to give us something happy they did the night before or over the weekend. And that has stopped that because to have to, and I'm always happy. They hate it. When I come, when they come in, I'm a ray of sunshine. I have lollipops and chocolate and cupcakes, and we are here. And I'm so happy. And they're like, gosh, why are you so happy? This is disgusting. They hate it. I mean, some love it. Most hate it. So the ones who like to fuss and disrupt by, mm, I don't like this, or pushing things. Now, every time you come in, I want to hear something happy. <laughs> Tell me something positive about it. Say with a smile, please, everyone. We need to see it. That has helped me a lot. And I control for those behaviors. <laughs> Psychological warfare. <going> on. <laughs> <laughs> and 
hey, I'm promoting happiness, okay? I know junior high school is rough, okay? I, I can attest to this, but come on, be a little happy. <laughs> so in serious situations, how does your administration assist you? Do you ever need administration assistance? Have you have either of you have to send for administrative assistance um, or have to meet in the future, like um, due to an event, you have to meet with administration to work with the student? Has that been effective or ineffective? Like um, with the students, like change? I guess I'll start with that one. You know, it, it's always difficult as a, as a first year teacher mm -hmm. because uh, at, at least at the school because you kind of have to learn how to navigate uh, the hierarchy if mm -hmm. we can call it that mm -hmm. you know there's set parameters of who and when and where you can access these um, individuals mm -hmm. uh, luckily though I do have um, a very supportive administrator mm -hmm. and administrative team and also my my um, department lead is very resourceful and we have had times where they have came in and sat in the room with specific students uh, where my department chair has come in and observed mm -hmm. and figured out we tried different things and you know slowly but surely we're evolving and getting to where we need to be but that's definitely very crucial mm -hmm. and you know it gets to the point where you start asking like what can I do and I've been in situations where previously they'll tell you like, oh, well, you're just going to have to figure it out. Luckily, now it's like, it gets to the point where they're like, if it's something not related to their disability and they're impacting other students' learnings, mm -hmm. that's no longer your your problem. You let us handle that. Okay. And that has been very, very helpful and has, a, has had a positive impact in my classroom environment mm -hmm. because I no longer have that um, worry that can I send this student out or can I ask this person to come and observe and they you know as many kids that there are on campus it's very easy to remember the ones that want to be remembered <laughs> Believe so, so some of my students have already been um, identified yeah. and everybody knows who they are they yeah. might not be in their class they yeah. might not have ever met them but they know of them because, you know, they build their reputation. They're the great ones. Yeah. So in that sense, uh, I have been pretty lucky. Um, I, it's funny because, um, well, I didn't have the experience to deal with, um, when I got to my school, my current school, to deal with, like, behaviors. So it was my third year of teaching, but I had never... Um, really gone through formal training of like how to deal with um, students that were identified with ED. So for me, at the beginning, I did reach out because I was like, well, I don't know what to do with these students. Um, and my, it was my principal's first year. Um, I feel like she also didn't know how to assist me at the time. But she helped me, like I knew that she was there because she would show up even though she didn't know what to do. So I did feel supported um, by my principal. Um, I think we've slowly have kind of like just, she. I know she has my back and I know that like she's not very knowledgeable right now with bed law mm -hmm. and everything like that. But I know that she's there. 
um, to support me. I rely more on my team and my department. And just in, if I need to put a student on a hold or anything like that. But they have been there for the most part. I don't want to say well, at least I, I'm happy to hear that it is a team effort. I haven't had to go the administration route in this setting, so I am happy. I mm-hmm. have had to in previous settings. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, for preschool. <laughs> they are out of line. You have They are unruly. Sorry, preschool teachers or parents of preschoolers. Sometimes, you know, they're unruly. <laughs> um, they have no regard for anyone's feelings. And... <laughs> But I've been able and I've been fortunate enough to rationalize. And then I have great teachers that I work with. And your, um, your department head is one of them. You are one of them. And so I do have a great rapport with my teachers. So if there is a problem, I can identify it, speak with a teacher, and we can work together. So I haven't, been, I haven't had to go the administration route. So it's good to know that you guys do have that support. Yeah. What is the craziest <laughs> misbehavior situation you've ever encountered? Uh, this week? <laughs> <laughs> this or, week? Well, I know sometimes it can be crazy. We can go on forever. What was one of like the most craziest? Uh, well, I, I think it was a couple walking to meet in the middle of a class to uh, start there amateur professional boxing match so I had to uh, stand in the middle of both of them and kind of like redirect them to opposite corners of the room and you sit facing that wall you sit facing that wall and yeah so I I, it was it was pretty intense I do not want to be a part of a fight it's like come (laughs) on and I mean it was um female students involved so that makes it even worse Mm -hmm. at least for me because then there's the whole like I have to somehow stop it without physically Mm -hmm. entering because then that puts my perception Mm -hmm. on the line and it's a lot and especially with the way school systems are right now there's always uh, some type of um, fine line yeah there's a fine line that even if there's some hint that you may have crossed it, mm-hmm. it could be damaging. And that's not like one of those, uh, oh, a week and I'll get over it. It's more mm-hmm. like career defining mm-hmm. at some point. So it was like stand in the middle, redirect. Mm-hmm. And if that didn't work, I'm luckily it worked. <laughs> Had that not worked, I would have been like ding, 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 <laughs> round one. Like, you know? So. <laughs> Grab the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other students, at least, you know, luckily there's only one or two that mm-hmm. really stir the pot. Mm-hmm. In some classes, three. Mm-hmm. But the rest, just look at them like, are you serious? <laughs> so that helps, you mm-hmm. know. So, but yeah, that was uh, that was me a couple weeks ago. Oh, gosh. How about you, Monse? Have you ever Wow, that's a noted <laughs> question. Um, I think I've been very blessed to have been given so many oppor- learning opportunities in my career <laughs> because um, there's... Politically correct. Yeah, there's been so many instances, but I think the one that really stands out will have to be my first year of teaching 
had just finished a program, got to my class, and I was like, I'm ready, like I'm super excited. You know, your first year teacher, like that happy glow that like, I was just ready, ready to tackle the world. Ready to change the world. <laughs> and then this student changed my world. He destroyed my classroom upside down, oh, flipped Lord. my tables. I mean, I had spent the whole summer laminating everything, making everything mm. look cute. Um, and he just scarred me. But I think from that experience, I just became stronger. Um, I learned a lot. I learned to be patient, to be compassionate, to just, I mean, I already knew all that stuff, but this kid tested me. I don't think there's a, like, there's an incident where I can remember, but I just remember crying to Edwin so much because. I mean, it might not sound as bad, but let me tell you, there was like at least four or five hours a day for the entire summer to get oh this classroom God. ready. And I know because I was a part of that <laughs> team and this student took less than an hour to destroy obliterate everything. everything that took hours and hours and hours and hours. So it's like disheartening. No, but yeah, it, it was like next level. And it was, it, I mean, now it seems like, oh, it wasn't that terrible because we've seen a lot more. And yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot has happened since then. Mm -hmm. But as your first experience. That's my first year in teaching. So, that, I mean, I do have a lot of tough cases now, but I feel like I've matured as a professional. So mm -hmm. now I know what to do, the appropriate steps. I'm trained. My staff is trained. Um, versus the staff I used to have, they were great, but I think um, that district, let's say they didn't really have a straight vision of what they wanted and we didn't have a strong leader. Mm -hmm. um, so the district I'm in now, I'm very fortunate to have supportive staff and just um, very supportive principal. Mm -hmm. But I think that was also part of the problem in my previous district. Um, but yeah, that, that definitely would have to be the toughest. I mean, I just remember my first year was rough. Not only being a first year teacher and dealing with the paperwork, but <laughs> yeah, trying to navigate like what works for this student, what doesn't work. I mean, that, those are the students that I think you really remember because mm -hmm. they scar you, but you also <laughs> grow from that. You grow and you learn and you just become stronger. And I mean... You just have to move on, right? Absolutely. I mean, my first year, my CF year, that's a clinical fellowship year. Well, it's now clini clinical fellow. I don't know. It changes. <laughs> um, I worked in a preschool for children with autism and other intellectual disabilities. And I thought I was going to work with adults. <laughs> so I How does that work? work. Um, you just go where you need, <laughs> where you need it. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it would have taken me longer to find a CF position, and I wanted to get my credentials. So mm -hmm. I took what was available to me. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a great learning experience <laughs> because it helped me deal with behaviors mm -hmm. because they tested me. Mm -hmm. When I say preschoolers aren't really, and not, I mean all of them. It doesn't matter if it's regular, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
special education, they are in charge and you are not. And that's that. <laughs> I have one young man. Um, he did not speak. Um, and he used spitting as an avoidance behavior. <laughs> so if you come near me or you place a demand on me, I'm going to spit. But not once. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spit. I am, you know, like the sprinklers. That's what he was. He was a human sprinkler. So no one went near him. No one placed any demands on him. And guess who had him on their caseload for their first year as a speech pathologist? So you had to wear a poncho to work every day? You know what? A miniature umbrella? Basically, that's what I did. I got those like hospital gowns, gloves. And, and I said, oh, no, buddy, we are going to learn this, to use this communication device, whether you like it or not. And it took me about three months. But after a while, the behaviors began to decrease. Mm-hmm. And he moved from hiding in the corner, spitting, to noticing what I had, sitting. It, it took time. Mm-hmm. But at three months, he was sitting with me, working with me. And by the end of the year, he had a few words that he was able to use to communicate on the communication device not verbally or a communication device but so many people gave up on him Mm -hmm. and he was on his way to kindergarten so this behavior wasn't going to be tolerated once he gets to big people school you know so i couldn't give up on him but then it also taught me patience Mm -hmm. it taught me patience and it taught me how to find alternative ways to get through to your your students so just because it's a misbehavior or you know, a different attitude that you feel you can't control for. We don't need to control it. We need to identify that issue and find a way to be proactive and conquer that issue and get them to learn. Because they all want to learn. Right. I mean, they just want to learn in their way. (laughs) And I think that's one of um, the challenges or, yeah, just when we work with this population, like, it's not you're gonna be your traditional route. Um, you have to be very, very um, I guess, just like know the student, get to know what their interests are. Very um, creative, mm-hmm. creative in the way that we're teaching them. Creative, just be very um, out of the box, not mm-hmm. your traditional route. Because I've learned from my students that. If I try teaching them like Janet teaches, it doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. I need to find like different styles. And I definitely embed technology in my class a lot because I know that my kids are not very patient. So they need like quick lessons and then move on. Mm-hmm. So technology has definitely <laughs> helped me in my class. Yeah, as you were seeing, Monte, sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, yeah, just being very innovative with technology. And embedding it because at least in the elementary world, um, the kids just need to be um, given activities like for 15 minutes and then moving on to the next thing. They they can't be doing one thing for a long period, a long time. Those are some like good like suggestions. And do you guys like for new teachers out there, do you have any, and this this goes for SLPs too, new CFs and new SOPs and teachers, do you guys have any advice to them out there if they do encounter, what are some, hey, look, must-dos or try this? 
find somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> find somebody who knows what they're doing and just run with that. For you out there, only if you could see his facial expression. It's not funny to you, but if you could have seen it, it's like, find someone. Yeah. <laughs> that has been keeping me afloat. Yeah. The fact that, you know, I get it. Some Some schools are very distant, especially mm-hmm. with the climate and the education world is not good right now. It's mm-hmm. not great. It's p- probably very low, if not at an all-time low. I mean, there's people who don't like where our administration is in terms of the, the government. And then that slowly, you might think like, oh, how is that going to trickle down to us? But I mean, if our own, you know, uh, Department of Education leader does hardly anything to help teachers... How does that make us teachers feel? And then how does that make our bosses feel? And then eventually it trickles down and it it creates some disparity between the staff. So I've been at schools that the staff lounge was always empty. You had one teacher or two teachers in there are mostly classified or supervision. Mm -hmm. And all the teachers were in the room. And if you were a new teacher there... And you didn't know anyone. You were eating lunch by yourself in your room. Mm -hmm. And all the other teachers that had been there for several years, even though they didn't go to the lounge, they would go to another teacher, even if it's just in pairs or in threes, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So luckily in that sense, I I was able to find a couple of go-tos that I know that I can always go ask them for assistance, one Mm -hmm. of them being my department chair. And as bad as it sounds, mm-hmm. special ed has their little corner in our yeah. school. <laughs> I don't <laughs> it know. sounds horrible. It was not planned that way. Yeah. It's just uh, we're school. Say. Our school is so <laughs> it's so impacted that you know they literally had to make a room out of a, a wood shop room for me. Oh. So yeah. that yeah. room just happened to be next to the other special ed teachers. Mm. So in that sense, it was a, a blessing in disguise. You know, mm. yeah, my room looked horrible when I went in. But now it's evolving and at least I have very supportive peers around me. It's it's almost like, you know, if you were a student and you had trouble as a teacher, you would sit them next to a supportive peer. Yes. And I feel like it gets lost as an adult. And it's like we're teaching these students to use their resources, sit next to a supportive peer. Uh, you, you know, look around until they find the answer. Mm-hmm. Yet we want the answer to come to us. And it's like, no, you know, sit me next to a supportive peer. Like, let me find somebody who, mm-hmm. who I can pick their brain. And eventually they're going to become your go-tos. And then you have something to offer to them too. Because, you know, you're fresh. Mm-hmm. And you just learn a bunch of different strategies. Half of which you probably will never use. But half of them are very valuable. Mm-hmm. And they're all valuable to know. At least you have where to pick and choose from exactly you know so you can use that and give something and get something it's, it's always some type of exchange but you've got to have somebody to make that exchange with or else you're you're on your own with all your ideas and all your thoughts and if it works who are, you can't tell anyone if it doesn't work you can't tell anyone where it went wrong you know so i think that has been the most important thing for me even at home you know it's Sometimes people say, I don't take my work home with me. Mm-hmm. But when you have two special ed teachers living in the same room, in the same <laughs> roof, uh, you can't leave work at home. Exactly. <laughs> it's always like, a, well, how was your day? Well, you know, nobody threw up today. Or <laughs> no one had a tantrum today, so it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? Oh, you know, this person did this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's never a dull moment. Mm-hmm. But at least you have that person to talk to. Exactly. Eventually things, you know, just get bottled up. And 
it, it, it's that's the part that starts you know like killing you slowly yeah so i think that would be my best advice just find somebody and stick to them <laughs> yeah i would say find teachers that, i mean you always have your awesome teacher has everything their classroom organized find that teacher that you want to you see yourself being in 10 years and go observe them as my first year i was in teachers like i was observing teachers that like i want to become like them one day so i'm gonna give up my lunch time to go and and observe them because i want to see how they've become that great like what is it's the little things that they do i don't know just like little things that i i never thought of that i now started to implement in my classroom and i since i wasn't sure which grade i would i was gonna end up with i went to observe awesome kinder teacher awesome first grade teachers i was pretty much that no nosy annoying first year teacher that wanted to know know it all mm -hmm. and to be honest this is my four, fourth year teaching and i still do that i still mm -hmm. go into teacher's classroom and i look around and i pick and choose and i'm like oh i think i'm gonna do that that's pretty cool um but definitely collaborate collaborate i continue to collaborate with my special ed um peers and with my colleagues and then just in general keeping myself updated with the new um strategies and new special ed law so just pretty much it. Yeah, no, I agree. And also for you um, new SOPs out there, UCFs, like they said, collaboration is key. And I've been a speech therapist now for um, almost five years, and I still collaborate with my peers. Um, I meet with others. I, um, whatever I don't know, if I'm not looking for a continued education course, I am reaching out to fellow speech therapists who I know are in that field. Like he said, rely on your peers, rely on, rely on the sources around you. And sometimes they're not on Google, <laughs> they're not in the ASHA leader, they're not in the article. Sometimes it's just that scene, that old hand, someone mm -hmm. who's been doing it for a while and who has been doing it well. And sometimes they don't even have to be good, but you'll never know. You'll never know if they're good or not until you try them in your classroom, you know, like... I've seen some teachers do some crazy things that I'm like, oh, I could try that. And then I tried it and it bombs. And I'm like, well, at least, at least I tried it and it didn't work. So I know I'm not doing that again. You know, like knowing what not to do is almost as valuable as knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And knowing what not to do, guys. Um, I want to thank you all for tuning in um, this evening. And also, or... If it's the daytime you're listening, I don't know what time of the day you are. Um, I'm hoping it's the evening if you haven't wine. If it's the daytime, I'm not judging. Um, it's happy hour somewhere. Um, if you have any questions for Edwin Monte or myself, please leave a comment. Um, you can also leave a comment for me if you have any things you feel we didn't discuss um, and you would like to know more on, again, leave that. And if you have any ideas on future episodes you would like me to discuss or any of my colleagues or friends to discuss in the future, leave those as well. Um, as I said before, thank you for tuning in and thank you for sitting and sipping with SOPs and educators. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night or day. <laughs>